Hey guys, Nurse Greg here from the Nursing Your Career podcast. Today we're going to talk about care of the acute stroke in the hospital setting. Now, most of my career has been in the emergency department, so I'm going to be speaking as the perspective of an ER nurse as I have a stroke patient uh, coming into my department. So, a few things about stroke before we get started. Um, it is estimated that every year around 795,000 people suffer a stroke in the United States. Um, many people suffer after their stroke from some degree of neurological impairment or disability. Um, and 87% of the strokes that happen in the United States are considered what we call an ischemic stroke or an interruption in blood flow to a certain area of the brain caused by a clot. So when we talk about stroke, the most important thing that we have to remember is that time is brain. You only have so long after the onset of a stroke to give certain interventions that will save brain tissue and lead to a better outcome for your patient. And when we say time, we mean the last known time that the patient was well. Uh, when somebody saw them acting normally before they had any symptoms that would make us believe that they were suffering a stroke. Symptoms like slurred speech, weakness on one side of the body, facial paralysis, a change in neurological status um, that would, again, make us believe that this is an evolving stroke happening. So when I would get a notification that a patient was coming in with stroke-like symptoms, immediately I would notify my doctor that was on duty that day, as well as notify the technicians in radiology, because we're going to need a CAT scan right away. When a patient shows up uh, to your department, there is a general rule that within 10 minutes, they need to be inside of a CT machine so that we can make a determination if we believe that the stroke is ischemic or hemorrhagic. Uh, a hemorrhagic stroke will automatically disqualify you from any medication that we can give you um, to abort that stroke, so to speak, just because the medication we can give is is clot busters. It's medication that will make bleeding worse if you already have bleeding. So right away, we want to know, are you having an ischemic stroke or are you having a hemorrhagic stroke? Uh, important to note that when your patient's in CT, while the stroke is new, the brain will actually look normal. It takes about 24 hours for an evolving stroke to show any changes uh, on a CAT scan that would indicate that some brain tissue uh, has been compromised. Um, when the patient shows up, the first thing I'm trying to establish is the last time that patient was seen well. Uh, medications like Altaplace or TPA, the medication that we give to bust a clot that's causing the problem, uh, can only be given within three hours of when the patient was last seen well. So unfortunately, uh, we've had patients several times, actually, that we know it to be an ischemic stroke. However, nobody could establish a timeline as to when the symptoms started, and they were automatically disqualified from that medication, unfortunately. Um, if we do make a determination of the last known well time, and we are within the window to give that clot-busting medication, we have a lot of work to do um, to get that patient ready for uh, potentially 
giving them TPA or a clot-busting medication. So the first thing we need to do is we need to get a neurology consult. So we, we call out a code stroke, we call it a code stroke, and that automatically brings in a neurologist, whether it's in our facility or an outside facility via a telehealth visit, a neurologist has to see this patient and do an exam. If it's over telehealth, you as the nurse will assist that neurologist in performing the exam, i.e. the neurologist will ask you, could you please touch the patient on the right and left side of the face? Uh, does the patient report any changes in their sensation, uh, right or left respectively? And you'll report your findings to that neurologist. Uh, they'll ask you to have the patient squeeze your hands to determine any unilateral limb weakness or bilateral limb weakness. They will have you show the patient pictures, seeing if they can identify basic objects. All of this information helps the neurologist determine um, if the patient is a candidate for, for TPA. The other thing that we have to do is we have to get the patient ready from an IV standpoint. It's important to remember that if we're going to give TPA, we have to have all of the lines that we need in the patient before we give the medication. Once we start TPA, that clot-busting medication, you can't put any IVs, you can't draw blood from a straight stick, you cannot put it in a Foley, the risk of bleeding is just too high. Um, after that, we need to get a detailed medical history. And when I mean detailed, I mean events um, in, the, in the recent for the patient. There are certain things, again, that will make the risk of bleeding too high um, for a patient to get TPA. Um, just some general ones include uh, generally 21 days um, since any reported GI bleeding or urinary tract bleeding, three months um, if they've had a stroke in the past three months or any head injuries in the past three months, uh, or if they've had any surgeries in the past 14 days, um, major surgeries in the past 14 days, that would increase their risk of bleeding once they get this medication. The last thing we have to keep an eye on is blood pressure. Uh, anything over 185, over 110, the, the risk of hemorrhagic stroke is too high with a clot-busting medication on board, uh, which could be catastrophic if the patient starts to bleed into their brain with that high of a blood pressure. If they are over 185, over 110, you can certainly give IV medication to bring that blood pressure down uh, to make their pressure more stable so that they can get, get TPA. Um, if the three-hour window is over, it's important not to forget that a patient can still get this clot-busting medication uh, in a different way. Um, an interventional neurologist can give the clot-busting medication through an IV catheter snaked directly up to where the blockage is. That's called intra-arterial TPA. It is uh, much more risky, obviously, and the people who qualify for it are, are not as much as the people who qualify for general intravenous TPA, but it is possible. And, and that can be given um, anywhere out to like 4.5 hours after the onset of symptoms. Um, but that requires a few more things. It requires a tertiary care center with interventional radiology and interventional neurology. Um, and depending on what facility you're at, you might not have those capabilities. Um, so we try to transfer a patient to a facility where they can handle that uh, with the appropriate resources if we think they're going to be a candidate for intra-arterial clot busting or intra-arterial TPA. The last thing that can be done up to 24 hours after the suspected onset of symptoms is a thrombectomy. And this is when a surgeon will snake a coil catheter up to the blockage if they can visualize it on an MRI and remove the blockage manually. Um, it is an involved procedure. Again, it requires a tertiary care center. 
Um, but it is possible, and they have been finding that people who get thrombectomies within the 24-hour period, they do significantly better with regaining neurological function um, against the people who unfortunately did not get that intervention. Um, going back to the assessment component of this, this is why, especially for a nurse at the bedside who's a med surge nurse or an, or an inpatient nurse of some kind, not an emergency department nurse, this is why knowing your patient's status sometimes from hour to hour is so very important. Um, it is important to remember that people who were admitted to the hospital for things completely unrelated, they do have strokes. When people have the right risk factors, i.e. hypertension, diabetes, hyperlipidemia, smoking, drinking, um, increase in age, people, when they are sick, are in a hypermetabolic state and they're in a hypercoagulable state, which means when you're sick, you tend to clot more. So somebody who's admitted for pneumonia or UTI, cellulitis, these people can have strokes, even though they were admitted for nothing of the sort. And when that happens, it's important to activate the right resources, call your rapid responses, get a code stroke going, and essentially you're going to start the same medical history process that I described earlier um, from the point of an ER nurse. You're just going to do it at the bedside, um, including the telehealth visit from a neurologist if you do not have one in-house. Um, when we do decide to give TPA, it's important to remember that it's weight-based. The Alta place that um, comes to you in the package will have a lovely weight chart. Um, certain meds have to be, a certain amount of medication has to be removed from the vial, certain has to be bolused, and then a certain has to be placed in a drip to be given uh, one hour, over one hour after the bolus is given. Um, but it can save lives. It can save brain, it can save lives, it can save neurological function. Um, and this is why it's so important, like I said, to constantly monitor your patient, monitor your patient, know their status so you can see changes that happen uh, and you can spot them quickly and get this process going so that you can save as much brain as you can and uh, lead your patient to a better neurological recovery. Uh, be sure to check out our long format, format podcast uh, at the Nursing Your Career podcast. Be sure to check out our TikTok page with tips and tricks as well as our Instagram page, and we'll see you next time, guys. Thank you.